your limits in your seasons with your words. 17, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. You don't see that on a lot of front doors, do you, of people's houses? Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. What's the next thing about knowing the right words at the right time and the right tone? No limits and seasons of what you say. Know it. Know when to say something. Know when not to say something. Take a look at this next one here. Proverbs 25, verse 20. Like one who takes away a garment in cold weather, and one who, like vinegar on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. There is a time, a limit, and a season on what to say. When to sing songs to a heavy heart. It would be inappropriate for me to go into a hospital visit and there is your loved one dying. They're on their deathbed and everybody is sad and sorrowful. I come in and say, hey, you want to hear the good news in my life? That's inappropriate. It'd be inappropriate for me to go do a visit in the hospital where a baby is born and everybody is rejoicing over new life. And I walk in and say, well, I'm glad you guys are happy. My life's miserable. Let me tell you about it. That's not the right time. That's not the right season. That is not the time to go sing songs to a heavy heart. A verse that I cling to a lot is Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's maturity. So therefore, I rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. If my day is going amazing, it's wonderful, the best day I've ever had, and I get a phone call where somebody's world is falling apart, I need to set aside my joy for a moment and say, I will weep with those who weep and take you deeper in Christ in the comfort of God. Now, the flip side's true. If I'm having an awful day and somebody calls with the most amazing news in the world, I need to rejoice with those who rejoice. I need to set aside my bad day and say, Lord, I rejoice with those who rejoice. The problem is this. For some people, they can't do this. They don't know limits. They don't know seasons. They don't know boundaries. Verse 17, they're in the neighbor's house and the neighbor's becoming weary of them. Verse 20, they're singing songs to a heavy heart at the wrong time. What's the real definition of this? It's selfishness. I'm having a bad day, so everybody has to have a bad day with me. That's just selfish. I'm having a great day, so everybody has to have a great day with me. That's just selfish. Part of being the body of Christ is I put aside my bad day to rejoice in your good day, and I put away my good day to rejoice in your bad day and bring you comfort. And I need to know seasons and limits with my words. I need to understand when to say something when to speak those words, and when to stop saying those words. Take a look here at Proverbs 27, verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. That's a hard verse for me. I am a morning person. I wake up like Elmo, and I'm ready for the day, man. I am singing songs, and the day is good. God is good, and let's just rejoice. There's uh, nine people in my house, and about a third of them are not morning people. They're not ready for Elmo in the morning. They're not. I am. They're Eeyore, and it's just it's not going good. I'm Tigger. There is an understanding, once again, of limits and seasons. You know, the Bible doesn't use this word called tact, but that's really the best word that comes to mind, is when you're communicating with people, is to stop and say, okay, Lord, I want to represent you in this conversation. That's why I love that verse in Colossians that I pray for every week, is that my words be with grace, seasoned with salt, 
but I know how to answer each one. Let my words be with salt. Let them be attractive to people to represent Jesus Christ. Let my words be with grace. Let them be a gift and no limits to no seasons, to know when to sing the song, when not to sing the song, when to weep with those who weep, when to rejoice with those who rejoice, when to understand verse 14 here. Now, verse 14 always also carries a deeper meaning here. It's also this idea of knowing limits and seasons with words because 14 is carrying this idea of, of exuberant praise, pompous words, exaggerated compliments to be manipulative. Know your limits and seasons when speaking nice about somebody too because we can use words that have no meaning. We just make it sound really good. And we're just trying to butter them up to get something. A great example of that is in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says he comes to Jesus at night and he starts out with this great speech. Oh, Jesus, we know you're a great teacher from God. No one has ever spoken like you at all. Jesus just looks at Nicodemus and says, buddy, you've got to get born again. You know, skip all the praise, skip all the buttering up, and let's get to the source of this. Be careful with using words to manipulate people with compliments, exaggerated compliments, pompous words, exuberant praise. Be careful. That's something I've learned over the years. This is something I've noticed out here, that right before someone tells me they're leaving the church, they always tell me how great of a pastor I am. We butter up, we manipulate, because we don't want to make the person feel bad. Know your limits, know your seasons. Let your words be faithful and refreshing and trustworthy and no limits and seasons. Why do we have to be careful about this? Because here's our third point. Know that words are weapons. Proverbs 26, please, verse 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Words are weapons. We use put-downs all the time and we think it's funny. We use these words, we can get a laugh, we can get a joke, and then we say, I was only joking, I was just kidding. And then we say things to the people like this. It's just a joke. I was just kidding. Lighten up. Don't take it so seriously. We have to be careful with our words. I love what it says in Proverbs that we studied this months ago, that words in the, in the tongue is the power of life and death. You're either building up or you're tearing down with your words. Be careful with having that sense of humor that you use put downs just to laugh and to joke. And, oh, I'm just kidding. Lighten up. It's just a joke careful with that. To some people, it's not just a joke. That's something that we all struggle with. If there's 20 people in the room, and I can get the one person to laugh, well, one person's laughing, well, the other 19 don't find it funny. Who cares? One laugh. Know your limits. Know your seasons. Know that your words are supposed to be faithful, refreshing, and trustworthy, and know that your words can be weapons. And be careful in 18 and 19 that your words are not firebrands, arrows, and death. And you cover it up with, oh, it's just a joke. I was just kidding. It seems to happen a lot where we use these words and we use these put-downs and insults. And the problem is, okay, it may start it out fun, but then we don't stop it in time. And it gets out of hand really, really quick. And words start to hurt as weapons. You've heard me joke about this before. The little kindergarten saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a bunch of baloney. If you come break my bones, hopefully by accident, I'll forgive you. I'll get a cast. I'll come over and say, hey, sign it. If you hurt me with words, those words sting. Those words stay. 
We need to understand words can be like weapons, and we need to be careful with those jokes. We need to be careful with those words. Speak life, not death. Let your words be faithful, refreshing, trustworthy. No limits, no seasons, and know that words are weapons. Takes us to our fourth point now. Know when to stop a conversation when the words are getting out of hand. Take a look at Proverbs 26, starting verse 20. Where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles. They go down in the inmost body. Know when to stop a conversation. You know, gossip is one of those sins in the Bible that you have to have two willing participants. You have to. For the sin of gossip to happen, you have to have two people willing to sin. You do. And gossip is actually one of the easiest sins to stop. Verse 20. Where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Don't talk to them about it. Here's a really deep teaching point. Hope you guys can wrap your mind around this. We had a fire pit back of our house, and we had a fire the other day in the fire pit. And you know what happened when we wanted the fire to stop? We quit adding wood to the fire. And the fire went out. How's that for a deep point? If I want the fire to stop, I quit giving it fuel. Don't be the gossiper and don't be the person that listens to it and the fire will go out. And sometimes you've got to be a little loving and a little forceful. Sometimes you've got to stop and say things like, you know what, um, I really think we just need to stop this conversation right now and pray for this person. I really just think we need to stop right now and just, let's give this person over to the Lord. Boom. Stops it right there. We don't need to talk about this person anymore. We both understand there's an issue. We could sit here and talk about this issue. We could gossip about this issue. And we could disguise our gossip as Christian love. But the reality is, let's just both stop right now, give this person over to the Lord in prayer, and we take the wood out and the fire goes out. It's that simple. You know who I struggle the most with with gossip? It's my wife. Because what happens is this. We're behind closed doors. It's just us. There's complete open honesty. We can talk about anything. And next thing you know, you can find yourself saying things about people and ministries and activities that you wouldn't say to them. And Dawn and I have had to catch ourselves sometimes and say, we just got to be done talking about this. And the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, Proverbs says. And actually, we just need to be done. Because nothing good is coming out of this, and we just need to pray for this person. Be careful with that, folks. Why do we want to? I mean, what, what do we get out of it? 21. So a contentious man to kindle strife. We like the contentious man, the quarrelsome man that starts a fight. We like being around those people and watch them get worked up and they talk about this and they talk about that. And you know what I'm talking about. You've got somebody at work that they're just upset and they come down the line and they're upset about this and the boss and the shift and everything else. The flesh gets riled up and it feels good for a moment. Strife, contention, quarrelsome. We like that. Verse 22, tailbearers, gossipers. It's like, depending on your translation here, they're like dainty morsels, choice morsels, and they go down to the inmost body. We like to eat it. We like to hear it. Tell me a little bit more. And it's just like taking one more. We like it. Dawn got this bag of uh, pistachio nuts. I don't even like pistachio nuts. I was hungry. They were on the counter. So I opened up the bag. And I have to take the nut out myself. I have to shell the nut myself. I burn more calories getting the nut out than I do actually eating the nut. So I take one out. I try one. It's like, that's not bad. So I get a handful. That's not bad. 
And then I stop and I look and I say, I, I'm going to be done now. I've had enough pistachios for something I don't even like. And you do, what do you do? You take one more. And you take one more. Fill in the blank with anything, a bowl of M&Ms. You don't just take one. You don't just take one chip. You just don't. And this is what it is with gossip. It's the, ch- the choice morsel, the dainty morsel. You hear it and you just keep taking it down more and more and more. This is interesting that verse 22 is in here because the same verse is repeated back in Proverbs 18.8 as well. You've heard me say many times before, if God says it once, it's important. If he says it twice, you better be paying attention. Be careful of your flesh enjoying the gossip. Be careful of your flesh enjoying the contentious man. Take the wood out of the fire and just be done. You have to be strong enough in the Lord to look at your brothers, your sisters, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your parents, your spouse, your kids, your neighbors. You have to be strong enough in the Lord to be able to look at them and say, you know what, we just need to be done right now with this conversation. We just need to pray for this person. Nothing good's coming out of this. We just got to be done. Know when to stop the conversation. And please... Please, don't be the person that stops the conversation, but you make it abundantly clear there's more to know. You know what I'm talking about. Where you say, well, you know what, the other day, no, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, come on. Or you do the big, nope, nope, Pastor James just talked about not putting more wood on the fire, so I'm not going to do it. No, that means we know that there's more. I've heard people tell me this. Well, there's things I could say, but I'm not going to say it. Well, then don't say anything. Just know when to stop the conversation and pray. Just learn to be done with that. If you have to, if you have to speak, if you have to have the conversation, here's our fifth point now. Know to collect information before speaking. Know to collect the information before speaking. Look at Proverbs 26, verse 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Why get involved? Why? I don't understand why people get involved. I want to keep as much drama out of my life as possible. I don't know why some of you are looking for drama. Stay out of it. Why get involved in a quarrel that's not your own? It's like taking a dog by the ears. Just think that through. If it has nothing to do with eternity, if it's something you don't have to be a part of, why are you in it? Stay out of it. Why do we get involved? Because I think it goes back to the verses that we just read. Verse 21. We kind of like the contentious man. We kind of like the passion, the arguments, the fighting. We kind of like it. This is why we watch those silly political shows on TV of people just debating back and forth. What edifying thing comes out of that? This is why we watch sports shows where they just debate back and forth because we like that contention. We like that frustration. We like that anger. We like that type of stuff. Stay out of the quarrel. It's nothing eternal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Now, some of you may be saying, yep, okay, but James, Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. If you're going to quote that verse, make sure you quote that verse in context. Blessed are the peacemakers. I want you to have peace with God the Father, so let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And I am a peacemaker now because I brought peace between you and God because you were going to hell and now you're going to heaven through Jesus Christ. If your personality is to get involved in every quarrel and every situation that has nothing to do with you and you think you're doing good, the Bible has a different term for you. The Bible calls you a busybody. 
and be careful about being a busybody. Stay out of them, pray for them, point them towards the Lord. Okay, but you're going to say, they call me up. What am I supposed to do? Why do they call you up? Because they know you're going to answer the phone and talk about it. They're going to keep calling you. They're going to keep bringing you in. Because this is what we do. We like to get people on our side. We like to get the information. So you know what? If you absolutely have to, I mean, and if you have to get involved, and sometimes you do. I'm not sitting here saying that you'll never get involved, because sometimes you have to get involved. I get that. So now, if you have to get involved, collect the information before you speak. Go with me to Proverbs 18, please. Proverbs 18. Two life-changing verses in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, uh, look at verse 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and shame to him. How arrogant and prideful of us to form a conclusion before we even hear the whole story. If you have to get involved, and I stress have to, and someone calls you up and they tell you their side of the story and you're like, oh, I'm going to get involved now. No, be wise enough to say, okay, I'm going to contact the other person now. That changes everything, doesn't it? Okay, well, let me, let me go talk to them first. Don't say, oh, oh, don't go talk to them. Well, then, if you don't want me to go talk to them, why are you talking to me about it? I have a little phrase I use saying, I won't have third-party conversations. Meaning, I'm not going to have a conversation with you about somebody, something told you that you're not going to come tell me if I can't go to the source. Because now it just becomes this game of telephone slash gossip slash false information and what good comes out of this. Let me go right to the source. Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Boy, the first one you speak to sounds good. And we do this. Once again, your relative comes up, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor that you've known for 20, 30 years. They come up and they tell you the story. And they're like, well, they got to be right. I've known this person for a long time. I don't even need to hear the other side. Boy, be careful with that. Everybody has a biased opinion that shares a very, very biased story, even if we try not to. The first one to plead his call seems right until his neighbor comes up and examines him. If you have to get involved in the situation, know enough to collect all the information before you speak. Which takes us to our last point. Let's just rewind the clock here for a second. Our baseline verse is Proverbs 25, 11, words fitly spoken at the right time. Proverbs 15, 23, due season, the right words at the right time and the right tone. James chapter 3, a mature man controls his tongue. My words should be faithful, refreshing, trustworthy. I should know my limits and seasons when I speak. I should know that words can be used as weapons. I should know when to stop a conversation. I should know to collect all the information before I speak. And lastly now, Proverbs 25, 8 through 10. Know how to handle a disagreement because it is going to happen. It is going to happen. Proverbs 25, verse 8. Do not go hastily to court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor. And do not disclose the secret to another, lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. You have to get involved. You have to talk to somebody. Do it personally. Do it privately. Do it biblically. Personally, privately, and biblically. 
There is the practical application of verse 8 of do not go hastily to court. Paul goes into more detail in this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which you can study out on your own, where it's this idea that believers should not be taking other believers to court. How silly, Paul says. You're born again and saved in Jesus Christ. You're born again and saved in Jesus Christ. And so two believers are now going to go before an unbelieving judge and say, hey, unbelieving judge, settle this issue for us. Even though we both have an eternal mindset, unbelieving judge, settle this for us. Paul says, stay out of it, 1 Corinthians 6. But also what we're talking about here is words in 8, 9, and 10. Do not hastily go to court. Well, what type of court? How about the court of public opinion? Amen. Let's just get, I want to make sure everybody understands my side. I want to make sure everybody understands what's going on. I want to make sure everybody understands the truth because I don't think you're getting truth. And so I need to get in there and defend myself and you need to understand me and, and let me just explain everything because I'm sure he told you a different story. It's that court of public opinion. And we go to it hastily. We post things online. We have to get everybody's opinion. We have to call people, tell people. We have to say, hey, do you got a second? Because I need to explain this to you. I remember years ago, probably 15 plus years ago, somebody called me up and said, you know so-and-so is saying this about you and the church, and and it's making a big deal out of it. And boy, my flesh got frustrated. It was actually at Ottawa Walmart when it happened. So I'm in the, on the hall there, the aisle way, I should say, at Ottawa Marmar, and I take the call, and I, I go into the closest department I can to have these intense conversations. It happened to be ladies' wear. I just went in there, and so I'm walking around the ladies' clothes. And they're like, man, they're saying this, they're saying that, and my flesh is riled up, and I got off the phone, and I'm like, okay, i got to call the board. So I tried calling Rich first, couldn't get Rich. Then I tried calling another board member, and I tried calling another board member. Why? Because I was going to the court of public opinion. And I... It didn't matter what the Lord thought. It mattered what everybody else thought. It mattered what human beings thought. Now, folks, there is a time biblically to go to other people and say, I want to make peace with you. I want to make sure this is coming across clearly. And I'm going to do it personally, privately, and biblically. But be careful of the court of public opinion. When you are just there to defend yourself or to attack somebody or to accuse somebody... What are you supposed to do, nine? Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. Let me repeat again. Personally, privately, biblically. So vitally important. Matthew 18 goes into more detail about this. That you're supposed to go to them one-on-one alone. One-on-one alone. Not go ask 50 brothers and sisters in the Lord, what do you think? Not go collect a whole bunch of people and say, let's go together as a mob mentality. Not to ignore the situation, but tell everybody else about it. Personally, privately, biblically. There's always a five-step thing that I, that I do, and I've mentioned many times before you in messages. Before you go talk to anybody, make sure you are, number one, prayed up. Number two, the spirit-led. Number three, that you're speaking the truth in love. Number four, you're doing it biblically. Number five, with the goal of restoring. If you do those five things, I am prayed up, spirit-led, speaking the truth in love, biblically doing it with the goal of restoring it, then you're handling it biblically. And I'm going to do it personally, privately, and biblically with the goal of restoring it. I'm not going to run to the court of public opinions I'm not going to debate openly with everybody about it. I'm going to go right to that person and deal with it. And if I can't go to that person and deal with it, then I'm just going to let it go in prayer. And I don't need to talk about it with anybody else. Can you imagine how much different 
all of our relationships would be. From the closest relationships we have with our spouse and our kids to ministries, to churches, to co-workers, to whatever, if we would just take these steps and put them into practice. If I would stop and say, okay, Lord, I want my words to be fitly spoken. I want the right words at the right time and the right tone, and I want a mature tongue. I want my words to be faithful, trustworthy, and refreshing. I want to know limits and seasons of what I say. I want to know that words can be used as weapons. I want to know when to stop a conversation. I want to know that I need to collect all the information before I speak, and I want to know biblically how to handle disagreements when they happen. If we would put these things into practice, how different everything would be. Absolutely different. What I want to close with is this. Can you go with me now to Psalm 19? Psalm 19. I mentioned to you some of those verses that I like to pray over a lot. I love that verse in Colossians that I pray over every week. Let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Oh, Lord, help our words be graceful words, seasoned with salt, that we know how to answer each one. I love that psalm where it talks about a lock on my lips and a guard, a guard on my mouth. Can you imagine that? If you would actually have a guard on your mouth saying, don't say it. A lock to be able to shut that off. You do. It's called the Holy Spirit that speaks to your heart saying, keep your mouth shut right now. Now's the time to speak. But this is the one I wanted to take you to. Psalm 19, verse 14. Just really pray this into your lives. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth, everything I say, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Please note, the double in 14. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. You, you may have the words of your mouth be acceptable, but yet the meditation of your heart isn't. According to Jesus in Matthew 5, even if you're still thinking it, dwelling on it, you may not be saying it, you're just as guilty as if you said it. So I want my mouth to not say it, but also in my heart, I want to let go of it. The, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, that hatred, all those awful, horrible things that never come out of my mouth, but it's still there. I want my mouth to have a guard. I want my lips to be locked. I want the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, not anybody else's sight. It's not that I have to get your guys' okay, but Lord, am I right with you? Are my words right with you? Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Boy, let's pray this into our lives here. Worship team, if you want to come forward for the final song, let's really pray this into our lives.